It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Oh boy, I don't know if I'm ready for this. We're in hour number three of Green and Growing and a lot of weed questions. That's like my <laughs> my weakest uh, area of knowledge. That's why I rely so heavily on Clint Waltz at the University of Georgia with weeds and lawns, turf, and all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to give this a go because I opened that door. I got to walk right through it. Us talking about uh, pre-emergence herbicides. Uh, now is the timing to do that, to have a pretty lawn and, uh, you know, keep the weeds at bay. So you you apply this stuff responsibly and in a timely manner, and it's going to be effective for you. And I know you want a nice lawn. Um, and if you're just up to your neck in weeds and you say, I can't take it anymore, um, then what I would suggest to you is give up the grass. Give up the grass and make the garden beds a little bit bigger. Um, bring those beds out another few feet and use some pine bark or mulch and just start planting a lot more flowers. And that way you don't have to pull your hair out and spend all this time and money in your lawn. But uh, a lawn is, you know, the way to go for a lot of people. So we're going to deal with reality there. 404-872-0750. So up first, we'll talk to Melissa in Covington. Hey there, Melissa. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Um, well, I'm going to lay this weed question on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I have a lot of chamber bitter in my yard. Mm-hmm. And I, I garden. I love my garden. But I was wondering, is there a non-toxic, like less harmful way to control this chamber bitter. I mean, when I flip the leaves of the plant over, full of seeds. Oh, gosh, yeah. So for anybody that uh, doesn't know what Melissa's describing there, it's like a little mini mimosa tree, the way the leaves are tiny and elongated and symmetrical along the stem. And you're like, oh, that looks like a mimosa tree. That's kind of nice. But yeah, you flip those little leaves over and the seeds are just lined up on the underside. And all of those seeds are going to fall and create more chamber bitter. And it's terrible. So mimosa weed, um, all the same thing. So according to Walter's website, an organic way, and I've not tried this and I don't know how effective it is, is using horticultural vinegar. Or horticultural okay. soap. Yeah, that could be an... Explain, uh, explain that, please. I, I really don't know. I honestly don't know that's what okay. the difference would be between a horticultural vinegar if that's sold on the shelf. I mean, I'm sure it's not the same as, you know, the vinegar that we use as, uh, like, just for household, you know, uses. But uh, I don't know. I haven't used that before. And horticultural soap, I I don't know about that either. So that's... Okay, that's so on, we'll research that. Yeah. Um, Okay, I have it's a real quick question. Is this an indicator of um, like soil health or is it just there? It's How just do we there. And and again, I was talking to my friend Charlie who does landscaping and weed prevention and seeding and aerating and all of that kind of stuff. And he told me yesterday on the phone, as a matter of fact, he said this has been an awful year for chamber bitter. So you're seeing it probably, it seems a lot more prevalent right now than in other years past. So it's not necessarily, you know, environmental to anything you're doing or lacking in your soil or anything. It is just a bad year for it. Um, So you and everybody else noticing it a lot more right now than we have before. Um, And and to another organic way, I guess, Melissa, and this isn't what you're going to want to hear at all. um, As I go up to the, yeah, I go up to the mailbox and I see them start to sprout. And I mean, I, it takes me 10 minutes to get the mail some days because 
because I weed and then get the mail and then come weed again um, and don't even make it back to the house with the mail yet before I'm weeding. But the, the more immature the little chamber bitter weed is and the sooner you pull it, the better because you're going to you know decrease the chances that it's gone to seed and that it spread those seeds. But then when you mow over it, think all you're doing is just rattling off all the seeds to fall off the plant and into the lawn. So Pull what you can. If it's immature and young, it's going to be worth your while to pull those. But the ones that are already a little bit bigger in size, yeah, we're going to need some some control methods on that. And for people that are okay with you know using herbicides, um, a three-way herbicide is going to be best, something that contains 2,4-D. Um, and that is not harmful to grass, but it's going to be targeted to the weeds. It kind of affects the cells and the way the weed grows and all that kind of stuff. So a three-way herbicide is safe for grass, but a good spray to use on weeds if you just are out of your mind and have to go that way. And the chamber bitter is going to die off soon anyways. It, it appears this time of year and it won't overwinter. Um, but yeah, I mean, weed seeds will stay in the soil and surprise us next year too. Ugh. So, and and when I have time and I'm not talking and Googling at the same time, I can multitask, but only to a point. I'm going to research a little bit more about the horticultural, I can't even say that word, vinegar as well, because I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if that's the same as distilled or, I don't know. But that might be worth, yeah, it might be worth a Google and might be worth a try. All right. Well, thank you for your input (laughs) and help and uh, have a terrific day. You too, Melissa. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, I have already written that down and made a note to myself uh, to learn a little bit more about that because I'm in all these garden groups on Facebook and they're some of them are national. Some of them have international, you know, people checking in and stuff. And I always see vinegar pop up as a a method of weed control. And I've just read, you know, scientific publications that some are like, eh, no, it's not really that effective. And other people swear by it. It's one of those things. I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't work if it has worked for you and it's tried and true. But um, I, I really want to research a little bit more. And it's a good question for me to ask Clint, too, when Clint Wallace from UGA is on uh, in mid-October. Like, you know, tell it to me straight. Is it really as simple as using vinegar and we're just wasting our money on all these other herbicide products? I mean, I think if it were that easy... I don't think Scott's and Bonide and all that would be in business anymore if we could just use uh, vinegar. But it may be worth a shot. So, yeah, and, and I like that. I like thinking outside the box, Melissa, certainly, and trying not to just run right to the hardware store and apply, you know, a chemical that you may not need if there's another way to get around it. Uh, 404-872-0750. Aha. Uh-huh. David may be weighing in on this vinegar thing. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I, I, I'm really excited. Educate me. What do you know about horticultural vinegar? Okay, uh, I've got five acres, and so for all my raised beds that I have vegetables in, I only do horticultural vinegar. And the, the stuff I got, you know, I got it online, and, you know, there's a brand name that starts with a green, and you can figure out the rest. You you and can say it. What is it? It's Green Gobbler. Oh, okay, okay. And, you know, this, this company makes all kinds of, uh, you know, non-chemical stuff. Oh. and. It is it is a twenty percent concentration versus you know normal vinegars like four or five percent, and it's not as good as you know going with you know a, a true chemical solution. You have to do it probably three times to get the same outcome. Right. But but it you know it does give you peace of mind with respect to not messing with stuff you're going to eat. Yeah. Okay. So, and what do you, do you just put it in a pump sprayer or spray bottle and that's how you apply it? Yeah, actually it comes in like a one gallon container with a sprayer on it. So you just walk walk around, spray it around. 
Nice. So it is definitely different than like distilled vinegar that we have in the kitchen. Uh, it is so pungent, <laughs> you won't even believe it. You oh. smell like vinegar the whole day. Ew, Don't gross. get it up your shoes. No. Oh, yeah, that smell is awful. That and ammonia are like the absolute worst. Yeah, it's one step up from cat pee. Yes, you're absolutely right. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. I'm glad you've had experience with that. And, you know, I mean, I guess, David, that's the trade-off, too. Like, I mean, if you want to go that route and be a little more, you know, environmentally uh, considerate, it is going to take one or two extra applications, and it's going to be a little more arduous. But if that's, you know, the reward that you want and you want to make sure you're, you know, being safe around your plants and all of that, I think that's, I think that's fair. I think people are willing to do that. All right. Thank you, Miss yeah. Walter. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that, Miss Walter. Oh, <laughs> I took over for Walter Reeves, hosted the show for 26 years. And I have referenced his website how many times this morning? WalterReeves.com. Wonderful website. I'm sure he's got some articles there that I will read up on. Uh, Vinegar, thanks for the call, David. That's fantastic. 404 872 And when you're, you know, in Pike Nursery and you're looking at the labels of these things, and you're concerned about what products you're going to be using on your vegetable garden or your home orchard or whatever, um, when you see the label, there's a little box on the label, and it'll say OMRI. And if it's OMRI certified, that means it is safe for organic gardening. It's gone through rigorous testing, uh, governmental approved, all that kind of stuff. It's, It's good. And labels now, so many of them proudly announce to you, that it's, you know, organic and safe to use. And a lot of chemical companies are leaning more that way and being responsible. And so you've got a lot more options than you did 10, 20 years ago. So, you know, study up on that and make sure what you're using is safe. Um, And some of these things, too, you can even apply for pests and that kind of thing, like on the fruit itself. And it's safe to use um, like right up until the day before harvest, you know. So and every time, you know, always wash everything right before you eat it, prepare it properly and all of that. But there are always organic ways to do things for sure. Uh, up next, we'll talk to Maria down in Hampton. Hey there, Maria. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I have an issue with burrweed. And I have treated it over and over through the years, and I just cannot get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That that one's tough. And so people are going to start noticing that it's a winter annual weed. But in the spring, when the temperatures begin to increase, that's when it sets the fruit. And the fruit is those tiny little burrs that hurt your baby's feet, that hurt your, your friends, your, your dog's, uh, your little canine friend's feet. So the fruiting structures, they appear as like small rosette looking buttons almost and then that's what pokes you in the foot so it starts to mature yeah mid to late spring and that is just a real real pain so the best way to do that and you again Maria this is going to be like oh well what do I do about it once it appears well the best thing to do is using a pre-emergent in the fall so what I'm talking about with the herbicide applications right now from now till mid-September is the best time to do that that's going to go ahead because the seeds are already, the weed seeds are already in the soil. They're just waiting for next spring to pop up and rear their ugly head. So the getting ahead of it now and using a pre-emergent now in the fall is going to knock back a lot of it. And you'll see a lot less come spring. And just staying on top of those pre-emergent herbicide applications, like I've been saying now, maybe February and again in May, that's going to really keep knocking it back. But, you know, I read the um, instructions on a lot of these products, and they say they kill burrweed, but 
they really don't. So do you have one that you suggest over another that would be more effective? Like using it actually once the burr weed has appeared already? Well, either way, because I treat the yard two or three times a year, but my neighbors don't, and I'm sure I get some of their weeds, so it will be an ongoing battle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, product name specifically, no, I can't really, I can't really think of anything. So it probably does take that. I mean, just whatever, whatever you're already using as a pre-emergent, any of mm-hmm. it's going to be good. Any of it's going to be good, but it, it's most effective when used you know, in repeat applications and on time as well. So if you just do it once and you're disappointed with the results, it's not necessarily, you know, the weakness of the product. It's just that we need to be religious about um, doing it at the right time. So, you know, don't don't give up on the product that you've used thinking that it's not working. It just needs to be used repeatedly to, to be effective. Um, let okay. me do a little bit more research, too. I think this is one of the ones, once it appears... Like I was just talking about the chamber bitter, a three-way mm-hmm. herbicide is going to be when you just go to the big box stores or the nurseries. That's how the herbicide is labeled. It's a three-way herbicide. One of the active ingredients is 2,4-D. Um, that's going to be something that treats it once it's already appeared. So have that okay. on hand in combination with staying on top of the pre-emergent, and that'll really start to knock it back. I'll give that a try. Thank okay. you. Yeah, and, and talk to that neighbor, too, and be like, hey, let's go in together and make our lawns really healthy. And so that way we're not passing weed seeds back and forth to each other. You're right. I know once you have it, it's so hard to get rid of. It just, you know, patience and perseverance with that pays off. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Thank you, Scott. The complete uh, forecast is going to come up for you in about 10 minutes. Brought to you by Finley Roofing from Channel 2 meteorologist Brad Nitz. It's going to rain. That's pretty much the long and the short of it. 404-872-0750. want to talk to Stephanie in just a second about crabgrass. But first, back to the point of um, spurweed or burrweed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we were just talking about when it fruits, when it really gets puts on those burrs, uh, like in mid to late spring, the key is getting to it before it's able to fruit and develop those burrs, right? It's really, really important to to control it before the fruiting structures, the little burrs, develop. So that's why, you know, it's it's crucial, again, to do the pre-emergent herbicide now. And an application in February is going to knock it back before it's able to put on those burrs and kind of reproduce itself. And uh, to Stephanie's call, I think Stephanie was going to ask about, like, where does, what, crabgrass come from? How does that reproduce, right, Stephanie? No, I just want to know. Um, I want to know how to get rid of it. I think my theory is I've had different people mowing my grass, and none of them have bags. And I think it just spreads the seed when they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, it started with a little bitty patch, and now it's just all over, all over. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard to get ahead of that. And you're right. I mean, it's so prolific in the way that it reseeds. That's how crabgrass spreads. So uh, good good hygienic practices as far as hosing off a mower and when the big landscape companies just use mowers all day, every day on lawns. Um, get ahead of it with a crabgrass preventer. Pike has their own brand of crabgrass preventer. Bonide has it. That is one of the best-selling herbicides, the hottest on the market is stuff that goes after crabgrass and you've got to do repeat applications of it but that is really the only way you can't possibly pull it 
and get to all of it. So any any brand in the big box stores or Pike that has crabgrass on the label, that's where you've got to start and you've got to read the label and apply it as often as it says. Stephanie, thanks for the call. We're going to be back with Pike Nurseries here in just a few minutes on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Just half an hour to go on the show. Wow, a lot of good calls, a lot of good questions. I was afraid that some of you had already left town for the Labor Day holiday, and I was like, I hope people call in this morning, and you have great questions uh, about weeds. And Clint Waltz is listening. Good morning, Clint. And says, yeah, you know, some trials on organic products, and still, it is a chemical, so don't misuse it. Don't use it in excess of what the label says. That's a really great reminder. Um, always read the label. I mean, I can't stress that enough. I can tell you what to do on the radio in a very brief synopsis. But reading the label, looking at the pictures on the label help, too. That way you know you can identify that you're using the right herbicide on the right weed you see in your lawn um, so a little bit of reading goes a long way for this stuff to be effective. Uh, Want to take calls in just a little bit uh, from Greg about an armadillo. That's interesting. And Brooke Hunter about crepe myrtles. Uh, but first, we're going to talk to Jackson Grimsley from Pike Nursery. Jackson now uh, assistant manager at the Toco Hills store. Hey there. Good morning. Morning, Ashley. So you have you have a new home base and it's working out pretty good, huh? Absolutely. I, I started at Toco uh, about 10 years ago, so it's great to be back. Nice. I love when things come full circle. Well, I'm sure the nurseries are going to be buzzing because we're transitioning from summer, already starting to think about that fall landscape and some of the plants that you know might do well in between still having some 90-degree days and then are going to tolerate the, the temperature dr- uh, dropping in the fall and a lot cooler weather. Um, And as people are headed to Pike Nursery to pick up all of these herbicides I mentioned this morning, Jackson, I mean, y'all are going to be pointing folks to the bonide and and all of that to to make sure that they're able to combat these weeds that they're seeing in their lawns, but uh, also picking up some plants and some flowers. And y'all have some really good, colorful ones you want to share with us today. Absolutely. We've, we've, you know, just gotten a ton of new product in. Um, and like you mentioned, fall is right around the corner. Um, and there are, you know, it's not quite time for pansies and violas yet, but there are tons of great options for color that will last all the way until the first frost. Um, mums, kind of traditional fall one that a lot of people think of. you really, really pretty masses of color. Um, you know, you get blooms for almost a month out of them. So that's a great option. Uh, with those, you do want to be very careful when watering them to water the pot and not water over the top of the plant because mm-hmm. you can actually end up rotting the blooms, uh, which no one wants for sure. So they're, they're a great, great fall option. Uh, ornamental peppers are one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, it gives you a really different look. Um, you get really pretty oranges, reds, yellows, really great fall colors. Um, and they're, they're very, very vibrant. They always stand out in a pot or in the landscape. Um, we actually have some planted in the landscape, uh, at Toco Hills. We just use that as well. So, oh, so people will see um, them as they walk in the door. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Absolutely. So, and then one of my particular favorites is Celosia. Um, it's really pretty kind of spiky feathery bloom and it can really, really vibrant reds and purples, almost like iridescent. They're, they're really gorgeous. 
um, and those will, those will last a good long way. Uh, into, yeah, Celosia uh, also called like coxcomb. Some folks know it as the name coxcomb, but that those those plumes, the way they grow upright, those are real showstoppers. They really are. Absolutely, they're a great centerpiece option for a container, or if you need a taller line of annuals in your in your bed, they're a great option for that. Good. All right. And, and then so yep, um, you know, on top of the annuals, there are perennial options as well. Um, you know, we have tons of uh, Shasta daisies still. Those will give you blooms up until the first frost. Um, you know, and then uh, for foliage, Euchra is a great one. It's pretty much evergreen. It'll be up year-round um, and comes in really, really pretty bronze, red, there's like bronze, red, purple, and then really, really pretty lime green. So you get some nice color contrast with those. Um, and then autumn ferns are a classic. They'll be around year-round give you nice really pretty foliage and really pretty bronzing in the fall too and for folks that are able to overwinter ferns you know and keep them alive year-round um what's the best way to water those like is it is it enough to just mist them or do they really need you know a soaking at the soil level like you were talking about the way you water mums um they do need you know a good bit of water mums uh, like or excuse me, uh, ferns like to stay fairly damp. Um, you know, just think about where you see them growing in the wild. It's usually in a shadier, damp spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the kind of environment that they're going to look for. Okay, so that's a lot of good options for sure. Some annual options that are going to last for a few months. Perennial options as well. Um, and you know, people are starting to think too, Jackson, about vegetable gardens. You know, the cooler season crops like the leafy stuff, the lettuces and whatever, broccoli cauliflower and that kind of thing. So soil is so important. And we want good soil anyways. We're planting trees and shrubs in the fall. Uh, We're thinking about the soil for our vegetable gardens and stuff. And y'all actually have a sale on soil right now. We do. So our planting mix and our potting soil in the one and a half cubic foot size is on sale. Those are both $2 off. Um, And we've actually just switched... um, you know, two new soils. We've gone away from our private label stuff, and we are using a company called Black Gold. So all of our new soils are OMRI certified organic. Um, so, you know, they're perfect for organic gardening. I know a lot of people are really concerned about that. Um, so this, you know, they have no, no added fertilizers, no added anything. Um, so great for the organic gardening. They're going to have silicon in there, which will help uh, with earlier flowering, stronger stems, better root growth. Um, and you know, it's mostly, they're going to have aged pine bark compost, all that kind of thing in there. Just really make sure that you've got good organic material to plant in. Yeah. It's like everything you need in one bag. When you look at the, what's in this black gold potting mix, I mean, like you said, all of the earthworm castings and compost and, you know, peat moss and all the things that you would have to buy separately to put in a bag of soil. This, this has it all. So, um, $2 off the what 1.5 cubic foot bag. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's a great deal. And then uh, trees and shrubs. We have no fear buying those from Pike Nursery. That's, in fact, where we want to buy trees and shrubs. And why? What's the benefit there? Well, um, our, our, we have a lifetime guarantee on trees and shrubs uh, for one replacement. So, uh, you know, we know that a lot of times, sometimes the specimens just won't be as strong and it's not going to make it. And if that happens, bring it back in and we give you the credit for it. I love it. I mean, save your receipt. And I always I always tell listeners, Jackson, to make it easier on y'all, the store managers, like if folks save the receipt and also like, you know, keep the label that comes on the plant, you know, identifying what it is and the, the planting tips and things for it. Keep all of that aside, maybe in a plastic bag and a, 
garden bench or something like that so you can refer back to it as a reference and if you forget the name you still have the plant label and stuff but that'll also help you when you take it to pike nursery and they know you know they just bought it last year or two years ago and this is what it is and that way you'll remember when you go back to shop for a replacement plant that pike will give you for free you remember you know if you want that exact same variety that exact same type you've you're organized and you appreciate customers that you know come in and say i definitely want the exact same thing and that's no problem Absolutely. Another great thing to do is make sure that when you're in the store, sign up for the Play in the Dirt Club because that keeps track of all your purchases. So we can, if you don't, if you do lose a receipt, we can look it up that way too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that's just with your phone number, right? Once you sign up for Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. We just need your phone number and your name. And yep. And you get points for every dollar you spend as well and uh, get $25 of store credit when you get the 600 points as well. Nice. Play in the dirt members. That's definitely of benefit to you if you visit Pike Nurseries often. Well, Jackson, thank you very much for calling in this morning. It was good to catch up with you again. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. So see, that's exciting because I was worried about like my Vinca still looks great um, and some petunias still look great as well because it's still warm, but those things are going to start to fade. And I was worried, you know, do I need to wait till it cools off a little bit more to plant my fall flowers? And Jackson says, no, they're going to be okay. Like Celosia, it's going to be okay in the heat. It's going to tolerate a few more weeks of heat, and then it's going to transition and settle in just fine for the cooler temperatures into the fall. 404-872-0750. Talk to Greg in Lovejoy. Hey, Greg, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. How are you this morning? Great. Boy, you've got a pesky little guy that you're not happy with, huh? I think it's a guy. It looks like a herd of cattle went through my yard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And you you would have seen that, so we know it's not that. (laughs) That's correct. He was there last night and the night before, and I stayed up last night till midnight. And I said, okay, I'll get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I got up at 5 o'clock, and guess what? He already had his meal and left. Oh, my gosh. An armadillo and, and his friends. And if I, it has to be and his friends. <laughs> I don't know how to get rid of these guys. I know. They're really tough. And they're not very smart, though, so they can be outwitted for sure. And you're well, obviously, apparently I'm not very smart either. <laughs> hey, well, you're you're just you're just identifying it. You're at the early stages, so now you're seeing there's a problem, and I and I definitely can tell you what to do about it, Greg. So they Good. follow the same path. So you're obviously seeing that path from where where they we've been digging into the soil, and they're looking for stuff to eat, right? They're looking for grubs and earthworms and that kind of thing. So one thing you can do, and if you also just want to help your lawn as well, um, is apply like a a grub product because then you know that becomes beetles and stuff later it becomes a problem so when you're able to apply products to go after white grubs in the lawn that's going to be one deterrent because you're giving you know less dietary options to the armadillos to the moles and things like that when you have these problems Um, another is an electric fence but then we start talking about a little bit more pricey option but once you've learned their path and you can set the traps, that's probably what you're going to have to do because you have a number of them and they're very active right now looking for food. And the trap, the way you set the trap, it's really interesting because you set up almost like a drift fence for them to follow the lines of this fence into the trap that you've set. You can't just set the trap out there and expect them to find it. So um, it's kind of like using railroad ties or long pieces of board to set up kind of a V shape that heads them toward this trap. 
And it's really interesting, the research that the University of Georgia has done on armadillos. I think they went to like one of the islands to really study, one of the coastal islands, Cumberland Island, I think, to study some of the habits of armadillo and have come up with really effective ways to trap these guys. So I had Anne get your email address and I'm going to send you that article because it, it, it describes in detail a little bit more how to set the bait and how to set the traps. And you just kind of let them, you know, hang out in the trap a day or two to show their friends what could happen. And once you also take away their food source and knowing the timing of when to apply like a GrubX kind of product to get rid of some of the white grubs, I think they will slowly start to leave your yard and go bother your neighbors and things like that. So we'll get you right on that. I'll send you that article, Greg. And uh, later in the show when I do the show notes on Facebook, uh, follow my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Just search that on Facebook. In the show notes, I'll also post the link to this article for anybody else who's got armadillo problems for sure. Thanks for the call. We'll talk to Brooke Hunter when we come back about crepe myrtles. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. One more check from me of your weekend weather, and then Brad Nitz is going to give you the complete forecast, and Dave Baker is going to keep you up to date if the forecast changes during the Home Fix-It show. But uh, brought to you by Finley Roofing, scattered thunderstorms today, 60% chance of showers, high of 83 is cooling off a little bit, then high of 82 tomorrow, but more rain in the forecast. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Well, his ears must be burning because we've been talking about Clint Waltz this morning. He's on my to-do list. Yeah, from UGA Turfgrass Specialist himself says effectively go after that POA annua, that annual bluegrass with the pre-emergent herbicide. Get it done by mid-September. It's better to be early with it than too late for it. So we've uh, been schooling you on that in this last hour of the show. It's got to be applied before the weed seeds germinate. And uh, he also says, you know, check out georgiaturf.com. That is... Uh, a website of the Georgia Turfgrass Management Program, uh, georgiaturf.com. It's it's going to be really well for weed identification, basic biology, if you want to understand more about some of these weeds, and walterreeves.com as well, if you want to look up what some of the callers called about, chamber bitter. Uh, we talked about nutsedge. We talked about burrweed or spurweed. It goes by both names. Uh, either one of those websites is going to be great. I will reference those to uh, on my Facebook page for you later. Okay, so that's number one, pre-emergent herbicide. Apply that in, in your lawn now. Number two, keep replenishing hummingbird feeders with clean sugar water. They're stocking up for energy to head south. So the ruby-throated hummingbird you've seen, the rufus, and they'll start leaving between now and October for warmer climates. And number three, plant peonies now. That's another good thing to maybe pick up at Pike Nursery. When you uh, plant them soon, only bury the crown about an inch and a half to two inches below ground level. They don't need to go real deep. In fact, they shouldn't. Uh, They like full morning sun and loose, well-drained soil. So I think I've got a quick minute here to talk to Brooke Hunter from Milton. Hey there. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, um, we have some very old uh, crepe myrtles that we have done a lot of suckers by getting their roots and planting them all over. Everything in Milton doesn't seem to flower. Ones that we took down to Florida, about 10 of them, they're flowering beautifully. We're wondering why. Wow. And you know what's funny, too? This has been a fantastic year um, from my knowledge or my memory, my recollection in the last few. This has been a banner year for crepe myrtles. I have noticed that they have been a lot more prolific, a lot more colorful this year. Um, So I wonder what that is. You know what I, too, subscribe 
too, is, you know, people do the crepe murder. They cut off the trunk and everything silly in the wintertime. Um, I don't. I don't see a need to prune crepe myrtles at all. I mean, of course, if they just get way too large, but you should know that going into planting one, that they're going to get very tall. Um, but I don't prune them. And so maybe if you're doing a little bit too much of a heavy pruning on them, don't. Um, and give them a little bit better opportunity just to, you know, focus energy elsewhere and maybe set out a better bloom set for you next year. But, uh, I mean, this was a great year, and our, our weather was very similar to Florida's in that if they're doing well in Florida, they should have been doing well for you here. I don't know if it's a variety issue. That is very suspicious because uh, that's kind of counteractive from what I've seen. So I don't know. I really don't have a good answer for you. But uh, just, you know, one less thing to, to have to worry about is pruning crepe myrtles. I would just leave them alone and enjoy them. They're starting to fade now, and that's a sure sign of summer coming to a close. But we're transitioning and ramping up into fall, so I'm going to have a more jam-packed show for you. You can guarantee it next Saturday as well. I hope you'll be back to listen to Green and Growing. Have a great and safe Labor Day weekend.